You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. I just want to begin this podcast by giving a special shout out to all of our supporters. Yes, you. You that pray for us, you that financially sow into us, and you that tell your friends, family, and other people about us, even though you've suffered a little bit of ridicule because you listen to things that they watch on TV. <laughs> From a Christian's perspective as opposed to the enemy's perspective. Well, to you that supports us in getting out information that will transform people all over the world. I want to say thank you. Folks, I had a good time this past week in Oklahoma City. It was really cool getting a chance to meet some new folks, getting a chance to minister on the subjects of healing and deliverance, of course, watching as mass inner healing and mass deliverance took place praise be to jesus christ we're we're really grateful i will be in louisiana coming up this july and that's set uh right now and 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 we're getting all of the stuff together so it's going to be in the latter part of the month of july and it's going to be in lake charles and there'll be more information to follow on that but if you're in that area look forward to that also we have a entire, if you did not know, an entire institute at Bride Ministries now. I mean, this isn't like a small potatoes type operation here, guys. We have built an entire Bible school, okay? And our Bible school is intense because it has my DNA in it, right? I actually kind of taught the whole thing. And so, you know, we have courses that take folks from the subject of grace and what it means to be in Christ, which is foundation for new believers and even believers that have been around a dead church for too long. And uh, courses that will take a person all the way from the foundation up and into how to operate in the other realms and dimensions in Christ Jesus and from a position of sonship. And so uh, the, the entire Bible school is d- designed to get people active activated, right, into capacity to be God's hands and feet, to minister inner healing, to minister deliverance, to engage in effective spiritual warfare and prayer and on and on and on. And so, um, look, take advantage of that. And, and by the way, because it's our platform and we want our people the most equipped, if we are going to be releasing any volunteers in the future, which we will be, they must complete the school. Why? Because we want everybody as equipped as possible to be engaging on the front lines with us. And we want a foundation of revelation and understanding that runs through the ministry and all the people that represent us. And so uh, we're really excited to make that available. And that, and that's that's not going away. As a matter of fact, all we're going to do is build onto it because there is a mentorship program coming where I'm going to be taking a select number of people through training. It's going to last about a year. It's actually going to be a mentorship with a weekly meeting. And, you know, there's going to be face-to-face encounters, quarterlies down here in Dallas. We're going to be teaching people how to minister inner healing and deliverance the way I do. Uh, We're going to be getting into ethics stuff. We're going to be getting into case studies. We're going to be getting into live demonstration. We're going to be 
learning a whole lot of information. So I'm putting this together. I'm, I'm basically building the whole program from scratch right now. And so within the next few months, we're going to be putting out some applications. Those of you that are interested can apply. We'll be taking only a number of people that we feel are ready for the experience. And so that is what's coming. We know that the army needs to expand. And I learned a long time ago, <laughs> I can't do it by myself. Now, having said all of this, we're going to get to the program today. Uh, if you are feeding off of our platform, I want to encourage you to make a trip to our website at BrideMinistriesInternational.com and be sure to sow a seed into what we are doing to help advance the cause, to help you know us continue to offer scholarships to survivors that cannot afford their own help and to, well, push us towards some of our bigger picture vision, like getting into multiple nations, getting all of our stuff translated into multiple languages, which we are pursuing even now, and on and on and on. Folks, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, we are back on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall to talk about spiritual mechanics. And to, to join me on this subject is a voice that many of you know very well by now, KC. And this is, believe it or not, the 11th installment, because unlike uh, many of my other clients, KC documented uh, verbatim, step-by-step, uh, point-by-point, everything that happened in her sessions while we were doing work together. And she has joined me on a number of occasions, well, 10 others, and now adding to this an 11th round, in order to help communicate what goes on in the spirit world when a person is receiving coaching and untangling and inner healing and so forth. And so, Casey, welcome back to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you, Daniel. As always, it is an honor to be back with you sharing another episode of Storytime with Casey. Well, here we are in this, uh, if, and by the way, folks, if you haven't heard any of her former programs, you'll probably want to go back and listen to former programs that we've done because we're going to skip a lot of explanations and stuff that might matter to you if you're listening to this recording for the first time, if you're listening to Casey for the first time, there are a lot of elements of her story that have, you know, been explained in the developing account. And so if you feel like you are lost or in this podcast, please go back and listen to the rest of the story. Now, with that said, you wanted to begin uh, this program with uh, explaining a number of dreams 
that you had subsequent to um, what you had talked about the last time you were on with me and dreams that led us into work that we did in the session. So why don't you go ahead and open us up, Casey? What was going on with you? Okay. Thank you, Daniel. Yes. Um, you know, I, I always uh, have these dreams and I just want to thank you for the wonderful encouragement of uh, helping me uh, or encouraging me to write the dreams down because in the spirit realm, uh, you, you, you kind of think that, or actually you are taught, or most of us have been taught, that the spirit realm is not real, but indeed it is. And a lot of the answers uh, are revealed in our dreams things that, that, that we've had questions about over and over and over again and couldn't seem to find answers to, uh, they're actually oftentimes revealed in our dreams. So now with the first dream, let's start with the first dream. I was on a motorcycle trying to go to church in a city on the beach. When I arrived, I needed to turn left to go into a parking lot but an invisible force made me turn on a sidewalk that looked dark to travel down and to go down this dark path. So I immediately turned my motorcycle around and rode into the parking lot. So when then I saw myself walking down a hallway inside a building and I wondered why I was in that building and why I seemed to have on a black halter top. There was an apron on top of the halter top and I had on jeans and I wanted to rest and to change into something more formal. So I walked outside of the building to go to this camp house with a natural spring tub. So I got into this tub to relax and rest. And then I found that there were other ladies in the tub as well. And then all of a sudden, some men entered into the place and I wondered why they were allowed to come in. And the one man who was in charge came over and stooped over my head and he was saying something, but I couldn't understand him because he was speaking or trying to speak through this clear plastic shield that was over my head. So I stood up and I started yelling at him that he has no right to me and to move away. And to my surprise, he did just that. He left and the other women decided to get out of that tub and get dressed and they left the place to go back to the meeting, which was next to the camp house. There was a head witch there watching me, gazing at me. She was a Caucasian lady in her 60s, and she told me that I thought that I was some big prayer warrior working for the Lord, and that I thought I was warring in high strategic places. Now, if you could just imagine that she's just telling me this, and I'm looking at her like, what are you talking about? So then she asked me the question defiantly, who do you think you are? So now she's telling me who I am, and then she 
asks me a question of who do you think you are? So I simply replied, well, I'm a prayer warrior and that I am warring in high strategic places. And then she told me, oh no, you are way down. You are low down. And that's what she was, this is how she was talking. You are low down. And so then I decided to mimic her and say, oh no, I'm high up. I'm high up. Because at that point, I knew that I was seated with Christ in heavenly places and he is indeed high up. Hmm. So one thing I started to uh, think to myself is that, okay, so as time uh, passed and I began to grow in Christ, I've learned that when you become a threat to certain agents of darkness, they will confront you and they will attempt to stop you by redefining who you really are. In other words, they will try to give you their own identity, which is lower than them. So I want you to know that this is very important to know who you are. You must know who you are in Christ and who you belong to. Daniel, did you want to say yeah, anything yeah, about yeah. this? <laughs> As a matter of fact, you know, this reminds me of a dream that I had actually uh, years ago. And I remember at the time I was under the attack of a spirit of depression. and And it was interesting because of this season of my life, I had never been through depression before. I didn't even know what it felt like to be actively depressed, but the spirit had an assignment against me. And I was battling it for a while and um, it was working in different ways, but this was also in, in the same year, 2011, when God called me to this um, absolute media and entertainment fast, I, I had a mandate to basically go this whole year and all I did every day was, was work out, eat read the Bible, pray, and research stuff uh, relevant to the Bible and things God was having me to investigate. And so it, it was an extremely stressful year. Uh, I'll just put it that way. And I was, you know, in that process under this attack. And so there was one night um, where this particular spirit was taking different costumes and putting them on. And so like I was, you know, in the, in the dream, getting phone calls, like you should just quit. You're never going to make it. You should just give up. You know, I was getting different messages. And one point I met who I thought was supposed to be my friend at a restaurant and he was wearing a hat and he's like, Daniel, you know, I, I just want to tell you as your friend or whatever, you just need to quit. You just need to give up. And <laughs> it was really cool because what happened was my spirit rose up in the dream and I actually grabbed this thing that was posing like my friend, but it was not my friend. And um, I basically took it by the collar, knocked off its hat and it was a spirit, a spirit. And so my eyes turned to fire in the dream and uh, I basically blasted the demon by holding its collar 
in the dream with my eyes. It was really cool. And I woke up and it was a huge lift. But like you're saying, the kingdom of darkness will come in and try to poison us with their ideology and their, you know, lies while we are sleeping. So anyway, go on. What happened when, with the dream? Mm, mm, mm. Daniel, they always use the same tactics, just different scenarios. That's yeah. something. So then I entered into the camp building to get dressed. And guess what? I couldn't find my clothes. So the head witch that was there inspected the building before she left to go to the meeting. Then what seemed to be two hybrid men came into the room to guard it. They reminded me of the dwarfs from, the, from Snow White, from the Snow White storyline, except one was actually five feet, two inches, and the other was about six feet tall. So the door closed, and they looked through the cracks in the door as if they were waiting for some type of instruction. And then the dream ended and I woke up. So I, I want to just briefly pause and uh, let Daniel tell us that the, there may be some type of reality of these hybrids that might be existing maybe today. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, and, and the, the, the truth is, you know, people need to understand that there is such a thing as hybrid spirits. Uh, what a lot of Christian ministers have not caught up to yet is that not everything is a demon Casey. And of course, you know, at bride ministries, a lot of folks that have been connecting with us for a while have already crossed this bridge. You know, we get it, but, but the fact is, well, they take human soul fragments out of the body. They traffic them because in the book of revelation, it says that Babylon traffics in the bodies and souls of men. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ezekiel, it says that they use pillows to hunt souls and make them fly. And so they, they, there, there is an agenda of the kingdom of darkness to hunt, to collect, and to traffic human soul fragments. And one of the things that happens once these human soul fragments, they get captured and trafficked is they find themselves in concentration camp regions of captivity, laboratory type regions of captivity. Uh, they, they find themselves in dungeons and prisons of various types. And uh, this is, of course, why the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to open the prison doors to them which are bound because Jesus has an agenda to, to deliver soul fragments from regions of captivity. But truly, when soul fragments are trafficked there and, well, it's business as usual, these evil entities, these scientists, these different beings that are running these laboratories are doing all kinds of experimentation uh, with human soul fragments. And a lot of this gets into hybridization where they are taking these fragments and combining them with fragments of demons. They, they're literally chopping them up in these spirit realms and these regions of captivity and recombining things. So they're creating 
these composite entities that are hybrid spirits. They're part human, they're part demon. Sometimes they're part synthetic because they've got a piece of synthetic uh, spirit that's driven by artificial intelligence and they're weaving this tapestry of a novel entity of their own conjuring. And then they will give these hybrid spirits assignments against believers. And sometimes they will go into a believer through an open door or through uh, generational iniquity and lodge in that believer's life. But what's lodged there isn't just a demon of fear. It's actually a composite or a hybrid spirit. And if you saw it in a dream or in a vision, it would look like a hybrid. Um, not to mention, if you go further than that, of course, there are actual hybridization agendas happening in real deep underground military bases, and secret laboratories, and so on and so forth, as well as within satanic cults, um, agendas to birth hybrids. And uh, we could go on and on down that, that, that rabbit trail and abyss. But at the end of the day, hybridization is big on the enemy's agenda. And so um, it's, it's not uncommon for people to run into these types of spirits in their dreams. Go ahead. Yes, yes. So now when I woke up from that dream, I noticed that Charles was 75 years old and had been fighting all week long. So he mentioned that they had been trying to take him out of my realm. And so with, with him saying that to me, I wondered who they were who were trying to take Charles, my guardian angel, out of my realm. So it, it was uh, very interesting because Charles, this time, his, his attire was completely different. He was wearing a white helmet. He had on a belt with a hanging long leather strap from his waist. And the belt seemed to be designed to reflect off flaming arrows, and laser light beams from fallen angels. Now, at that point, I knew that the fallen angels were trying to separate Charles from me. So Charles also had on a white leather shielded jacket in order to be protected from the laser beams. And he also had a laser gun instead of his sword. So to me, it was a bit kind of, it, it was just a little funny to me because Charles uh, said that he wasn't going anywhere. And that's when I chuckled because it's like he looked at me and he says, I'm not going anywhere. And so <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> so um, what he meant, and at that time, I realized that what he meant is that the fallen angels have failed to take him out of me, period. And that's wonderful. So that was that. It was it's like Star Wars, really, like a Star Wars movie. So let's proceed on to the next dream. Now, this dream composed of two visions, two short visions. So while I was in a transitional state of sleep and wakefulness, I actually had uh, these two visions. Now, we all, every day, every night, we all experience that transitional state of half sleep, half wakefulness, 
you know, as you're coming in and out of a state of weakness, weakness, wakefulness, and then, you know, going back into a state of dreaming. We all do this every day. So before I proceed, I just wanted Daniel to bring any other clarification, just in case you may have questions. Um, well, yes. I mean, just, I don't have too much to say here, Casey, except that, you know, that, that, that moment between waking and sleeping, many people have recognized that this is a moment of extraordinary clarity. Um, when it comes to seeing to the other side of the veil or engaging with the spirit world, it, it, there, there are some people that I, I have known to, to, to take a, have a long season where they really struggle to hear God in just about any context. The only time God's able to get through to them is just as they're waking up because there's like this window as the brain is transitioning out of sleep state into wakefulness that there's this clarity and and i have had my own share of experiences in that place um just as you're falling asleep or just as you're waking up and so you had two visions what were they yes yes well i saw two women whose identities were not revealed and they were on a beach they were in close range to me, close distance, and only at the top part, well, let's say that just the top parts of their bodies were actually shown to me. So a lifeguard stood behind them, and I saw other people walking around on the shores of the beach. These ladies were looking at me and were waving as if they knew me, and somehow I felt some type of familiarity with them, but I also felt de deceptive vibrations coming from the both of them. So these ladies look like his, from the Hispanic origin, and uh, they had shoulder length hair. One that was standing in the front of me on my left side was about five feet eight, and she had a slender build. And then the other lady standing next to her was about five feet two, and she was slightly overweight. So they didn't seem to be any of my parts uh, or any parts of my soul. And I, I was very happy about that. Now that vision ends, and then I have the second vision to follow right after it. So I saw a clear face of an African satanic priest who was looking at me with an evil intent. He had what seemed to be an evil eye. So I'd like to ask you a question. Have you ever had someone staring at you and he or she seemed to have a glassy, cold look in their eyes? Well, this describes the eyes of that satanic priest. And, you know, by the way, the eyes can be any color. They can be a glassy, cold, black, blue, brown, green, etc. They lack love and they're very, very hard and it's an evil look. Well, that, that is about the description of his eyes. So now this African satanic priest was sitting and his left hand was near his face that displayed 
these overgrown nails that were on his fingers. So now these fingernails protruded out sideways from his fingers. So now if you could just imagine by holding out your right hand and you're looking at your fingers and instead of your nails growing straight in front of you, the nails are actually protruding to the right of you. They're actually like a, a 90 degree angle that they just go to the right. Gross looking. So they actually look like talons and they were painted white with black zebra looking stripes going up and down the nails. So immediately I remembered how I could sometimes feel what seemed to be talons that would stroke the top of the scalp of my head. Now, you know, that is gross. It is just so gross. So this priest wore what seemed to be a checkered tan and black golf cap. And that was it. So uh, the prayer started uh, with Daniel as he began the session. And after I told him the dream and the two visions. So Charles was 75 years old. And for those of you that have listened to Storytime KC, you know that Charles had been fighting. Whenever he's 75 years old, it's preparing. He is actually preparing for war or he is actually in war. So I like to take a moment to say to those who are in ministry and especially having one-on-one -on -one sessions with people, that Daniel's opening prayer in his book, Prayers That Shake Heaven and Earth, will set and establish the atmosphere for ministry. It always does. Daniel will use that prayer every time. It will always set the ministry for powerful powerful deliverance. So the prayers in his book have been tried, and I just want to say this is unsolicited once again from Daniel, but his prayers have been tried, they have been proven, and they are very, very effective. And I believe that, Daniel, you are working on your second book. And um, did you mention that, that your second book is almost ready or it will be ready or anything <laughs> like that and it's even more powerful than your first book oh you're too much <laughs> you're too much you're just playing around now um, <laughs> but you know the truth is that the second book is coming and i i'm talking about it i am targeting late summer early fall and even uh, as we're recording this uh, today, I've, I've been working on it hard and, and it is very close to finish in its rough draft version. So as we're recording this program, we're not too far away from this being turned over to the editor. So it, it, it you know, <laughs> it's way more powerful, I think, than the first one. And, and the prayers, I have to put warning labels on them. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, back to your story, Casey. Uh, we're, we're here with Charles, and we're going to have to deal with these visions and dreams. So what happened? Absolutely. So now Daniel asked Charles if he knew about the African witch doctors and the two ladies, and he said no. 
So I gave Daniel more of my family history. And this uh, included the story about two Nigerian businessmen who would come to Durham to conduct business. And they would bring their crafts and African clothes and other merchandise to be sold in our community and to all who were interested in those items outside of our community. So this also included fetish reproductive dolls and other things of idol worship, needless to say. So these two businessmen established a connection with a African, uh, a man from Africa to actually come to America to go to school and they told the man that my mother would keep them. Now, they did not ask my mother anything. They did not tell her anything about a man coming from Africa to stay with her so that he could go to school. So without my mother's knowledge, this man showed up at the doorstep of my mother's house. And approximately one month later, his wife and their daughter show up at the doorstep of my mother's house. Can you imagine that? My mother was shocked, number one, with a man showing up. And my mother asked the man, are you married? Do you have children? And you know what his answer was? No. But his wife and his one child at that time showed up shortly afterwards. So my mother eventually said yes. Uh, to them, and uh, she gave them a, a place to live within the house. But later on, uh, my mother uh, came to um, issues or came into issues with the man and his wife because they actually had another child uh, in, the, in our home or in my mother's home. So my mother said, okay, I'm going to have to find a, a place for them to live. And um, that's what she did. And I think, or I believe to this day, his wife still has issues with my mother about that. But anyway, I bless the family. The family's doing well, by the way. And so I, I bless the family and I, I pray for my mother all of the time. But she is a very kind-hearted person, just, just kind-hearted. So Daniel asked the witch, witch doctor uh, if he was either dead or alive. And Charles said that he's alive. So Daniel began to pray to remove the witch doctor from the territory that he ruled over in Nigeria. And Charles was looking at the witch doctor and he could see that there was a window which was rectangular in design and it was used as a portal to access my life. This witch doctor tried to use the portal to snatch Charles away, but the witch doctor failed. After the witch doctor was swept out of the land, Daniel prayed for complete destruction of that realm and land. So I heard Charles screaming, let there be light in that land. Let there be light in that land. And I could see the elements of the land resisting the light of God, but they didn't prevail. I would encourage you to listen to one of Daniel's most recent podcasts 
with Ruthie Andrews about stoichions, elemental, and rudiments. I'm telling you, you will absolutely be blown away and you'll probably have to listen to that podcast two or three times before it begins to process in your mind. Now I am talking about the stoichions, okay? So now I'm talking to the stoichions of that land which tried to resist the light of God and they failed to do so. So then I decided to take authority of the land and proclaim that there be light to it and demand that it be made fruitful and a productive garden. And that land immediately was transformed from an arid, dry, and cursed place to a garden place. I mean, it was just beautiful. It was so beautiful. It had green trees, it had grass, and it had all kind of vegetation in it. And I can hear just some of you saying, what? How can you do that? Did I hear what I thought I heard? Well, the answer is yes. You can talk to the Stoichians when you get to a certain place in Christ. And they will the ones that are in, um, in agreement with the Lord Jesus Christ will begin to work with you. Is that right, Daniel? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to, to hear you explain some of this stuff back, you know, because I'm, I'm listening to you talk as well. And, uh, you know, he said sometimes we as Christians can get real religious about how things work in the spirit world where it's like, okay, any kind of confrontation, people can go so far as to conclude any kind of confrontation with anything that is human is wrong in the eyes of God that, that, you know, the Bible says things that you should, will seek to be at peace with all men or, you know, bless those that curse you and, and different instructions, which really they are written down and, and they are true. And so they find themselves in a conflict with the witch doctor that's, you know, acting like a, you know, minor territorial spirit in a region or whatever, sending witchcraft to someone from the other side of the planet. And they find themselves at a crossroads where they, they don't know what to do. Um, and, and sometimes sitting there and just trying to bless uh, the witch doctor and the spirit, it's, it's not going to actually um, bring deliverance or healing. It actually may not work at all. That, that witch doctor may be completely in, unresponsive to any effort to deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ or anything like that. And so one of the transitions that I've had to make in, in my own ministry is to understand that, especially when dealing with stuff in the spirit, uh, I have to come back to Ephesians six twelve. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Because some of the spiritual hosts of wickedness does include the astral projecting soul parts of these witch doctors that are working in league with the fallen angels and the demons to hurt you and to destroy cities and regions and to put a cloak or a veil of darkness over a whole 
arena. Um, and, and so they actually have to be confronted in the spirit world at times. It's unavoidable. And so, you know, Casey's giving one example of, of a, a confrontation. I've had many confrontations with many witch doctors and high ranking witches um, from all over the world in the work that I've done with uh, individuals to help them get set free in Jesus' name. And it, it, it's somewhere that I believe, you know, ministers can't be afraid to go. And, and yeah, sometimes we do try to witness to them and minister to them and, and try other routes. It's all based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so I did want to say that. And as to your Stoikian question, I mean, folks, go back. I have two podcasts with Ruthie breaking this thing down. And it, it's, it's a, a revelation that's been in the Bible this whole time. Um, all the elements of creation are designed to be engaged by the children of God. We just didn't know that the Bible was not speaking in allegory and metaphor when it used language. It, like the stars praise God, like the trees clap their hands or the trees say to one another or the rocks cry out uh, or, you know, the east wind blows or, you know, all these different conversations the bible is having about the forces of nature uh, and and applying language that we would apply to humans or or animals like 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 the ability to speak or feel or have a certain even emotional response to something and so so this is true it's written it's true and 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 that's what casey is referring to i think this revelation on engaging with stoikian is preparing the body of Christ to step into a new era of impact. So please continue. Yes. Yes. So Daniel led me through the freedom from human persecutors prayer. And then he used the Lord's net to sweep the witch doctor into the courts of heaven for judgment. So Daniel spoke the word of the Lord to the witch doctor and gave him a chance to accept Jesus as Lord. He obstinately said nothing, and he was removed from the court. That's it. So we later learned from Charles that the two ladies in the vision were sent by the witch doctor in an attempt to gain access to me, but I didn't allow them to do so. Therefore, they failed their mission, and they were killed by the witch doctor. Through prayer, Daniel found out that there were more witch doctors who made or tried to make an attempt to access me from my uh, generations, from my generational ancestors, but their attempts were also failed as well. They, they all failed, thank goodness. So they tried to access me, access me through my mother's father when I was a child. And it was about 30 of them. Yes, 30 of them. I can't imagine that myself, even right now. Daniel used the Lord's prayer, the Lord's net, to sweep them up, all of them, into the court. And Daniel spoke the word of salvation to them. And four of the 30 accepted Jesus Christ and they were transformed with the light of Jesus' righteousness. The others 
were removed from the court. And it's interesting how the phraseology of the witch doctors being removed from the court, it was very interesting just to see that. It's quite interesting. So I told Daniel that my point of access for these witch doctors were through my rebellion, hard-heartedness, and stiff-necked iniquities that were passed on to me. Of course, I had my own, but they were, a lot of these iniquities were actually passed on to me from uh, my ancestors. So Daniel used the freedom from Illuminati bloodline genetics prayer to deal with these bloodline issues of rebellion, hard-heartedness, and stiff neck. And I cannot stress enough that the prayers in Daniel's book, prayers that shake heaven and earth, they really, really work. And the more you use them, the more easier it becomes. Really, the deliverance really becomes that much easier. Then I saw what seemed to be cauldrons that were placed on some stars that had my name and my family's names in them. Daniel Ward threw prayer to destroy the cauldrons. My ruler rode through the heavens and used her sword to cut the cords that tied the cauldrons to the stars. This dark brown-like goo poured out of the shattered cauldrons my name and the names of my family members were released from them and the curses, the spells, the incantations and all other satanic words were utterly destroyed. And I felt what seemed to be an oppressive type force that looked like a, a wood beam to be removed from my heart. I mean, I could just be, I could feel it actually being pulled out of my heart. And of course, that prayer session ended successfully, I have to say. So let's move on to the next session. So Daniel, before you say, before I move on, did you want to say anything about the event above, especially about the cauldrons uh, tied to stars and things of that sort? <laughs> no, I think you did a pretty good job, Casey. Why don't we just let that one float and we'll keep moving. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, so another part, this is dream one. So uh, this is with the next uh, prayer session. So another part was introduced to me on a, a Friday of a weekday, and uh, her name was Alice. I kept hearing Alice in Wonderland, Alice in Wonderland. And at that point in time, I couldn't make the connections between the two. So in this dream, I was in a restaurant and this restaurant was in a house. I was in a line to get some food from a buffet filled with different cooked foods. Believe it or not, these, this cooked food was made of human flesh but it took on the resemblance of different foods that you would see in an all-American buffet. I was beside a man, and I knew that this was another spirit husband. That's right, another spirit husband. 
a fight broke out with what seemed to be other spirit husbands that were in line. At this point, I just wanted relief. I was sick of all these spirit husbands. I just wanted relief. And I was in what seemed to be a discomfort and in a helpless state of mind. I pulled out of that dream and I began to renounce that spirit husband. And I did some warfare prayer at that time. Then I invited any parts, just at this point in time, I'm saying, okay, any parts, all you parts, somebody come forth, just come forth. You are welcome to come and identify yourselves in uh, relating to this dream and identifying yourself as Alice, as in Wonderland. So Charles did not have any information about her. So the part came forward and I asked her how and when was she birthed and under what circumstances? And I got no answer, just nothing, nothing. Sometimes you will, you may get that, that, that moment in time when your part just won't talk to you at all. And at that point, you may have to come back at another time or later on, that part may begin to reveal things to you. You just have to really go with the flow of the Holy Spirit, how Holy Spirit would tell you to, to, uh, to handle your situation with the different parts. So let's go on to dream number two. Now, this is where you, you, you will begin to see the relation of Alice, my part, in dream number two. I was in what seemed to be a hospital hospice facility where there were hospital rooms on this floor. And this floor was known as the death ward. Several nurses were tending to patients in the room. These sick rooms were spaces with walls dividing them. Each room had just one bed in the middle of the room, and on the other side of the bed was a wall that had an open window in it. These walls were made of some white material, and behind it was a long brick oven with raging orange lake of fire in it. It was just, it was like this fire just raged and the color was orange. And yes, it was orange and it was in a brick oven. So I sensed that it was part of the lake of fire that was reserved for the devil and his angels. Each room had one sick spirit husband laying on the bed and the nurses were preparing them to die and then to throw them in the lake of fire. So you know what? These spirit husbands, they failed in their assignment and they were dying and they were going to be thrown in the lake of fire. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's all I have to say. So I walked to the bed where one of the spirit husbands land and, and this is gross. I kissed it right above his lips on the left side just to say goodbye to him. I should have slapped him upside his head, but I didn't. So I left the room and I pulled out of that dream. He was being prepared to be burned in the lake of fire. And in my awakened state, I thought the act 
of me kissing him was gross and it was. And I just want to stress just how important it is to be made whole. You know, Jesus died for us and it's by his stripes that we're actually healed and we're made whole. And this is from the Amplified Version. It's just so, so, so important of being made whole. Jesus, he paid the price for us to be made whole. So there's no other way to live, really. Jesus paid that price for us. I, I, I just have to stress that. Therefore, it is our legal right. He gave us that legal right to be healed and to be made whole. So I just want to stress that. So I learned that Alice, my human part, called that place hell in uh, the call that place in hell where she lived wonderland so she was actually deceived into thinking that she was actually in a wonderland if you can imagine that so i asked alice where in that realm in hell did she live and of course she didn't reply i didn't hear a reply from her but i heard that she was on the third level of hell this is very important so this level of hell looks like a hospital floor with a long hall and there are rooms on the inside of it and they're actually separated. These rooms are actually separated by the walls. So they're nurses stations just outside the rooms and the walls were painted white everywhere. Every room had a bed in the middle of the floor and then a furnace on the opposite side of the bed with a very large window in it. And of course, what was in that furnace? The lake of fire raging, just raging, waiting to eat, the, to, to devour the next person or spirit entity. So I heard some sort of Asian music that was meant to keep the human spirits calm. The nurses seemed to be both male and female, well, not both together, but we had male nurses and we also had female human spirit nurses that were in there. So I copied the Alice and Wonderland storybook writing to read it because I really wanted a deeper understanding uh, uh, about my part, Alice. So Alice acted as if she was programmed with this storybook but she did not tell me, but I knew that it was so. Uh, there are actually 12 programs or programming stories to this uh, storybook. Yes, if anybody is in the baby boomer group, we grew up on this storybook. And I have to tell you that this storybook is filled with a bunch of programs. So I'm only going to read out of the 12 uh, stories, just chapter one and just chapter uh, 12, just to give you an idea. So chapter one uh, is subtitled Down the Rabbit Hole. Alice is feeling bored and drowsy while sitting on the riverbank with her older sister, who is reading a book with no pictures or conversations. She then notices a white rabbit wearing a waistcoat and pocket watch talking to itself as it runs past. 
She follows it down a rabbit hole, but suddenly falls a long way to a curious hall with many locked doors of all sizes. She finds a small key to a door, too small for her to fit through, but through it she sees an attractive garden. She then discovers a bottle on the table labeled Drink Me, the contents of which would cause her to shrink too small to reach the key, which she had left on the table. So she eats a cake with Eat Me written on it, and the currents of that chapter closes, if you can imagine this. These are programs. These are real programs. So let's go to the closing chapter, which is chapter 12. And it's subtitled, Alice's Evidence. Alice is then pulled up as a witness. She accidentally knocks over the jewelry box with the animals inside. And the king orders the animals to be placed back into their seats before the trial continues. The king and queen order Alice to be gone, citing Rule 42. All persons more than a mile high must leave the court. But Alice disputes their judgment and refuses to leave. She argues with the king and queen of hearts over the ridiculous proceedings, eventually refusing to hold her tongue. The queen shouts her familiar off with her head. But Alice was unafraid, calling them out just as a pack of cards, just as they start to swarm over her. Alice's sister wakes her up from a dream, brushing what turns out to be some leaves and not a shower of playing cards from Alice's face. Alice leaves her sister on the bank to imagine all the curious happenings for herself. These are programs. They are programs. So um, the next. I, I, I just want to say two things real quick. Um, you're, you're right, Casey. So many people, you know, Alice in Wonderland programming is one of the better known uh, uh, programming templates that has been around for many, many years. And many people, especially in the baby boomer generation, should not be surprised to find rabbit holes, doors with keys that don't fit, different kinds of labyrinths related to the story. The Queen of Hearts is typically a massive uh, entity that's brought in to lord over a whole component of their subconscious. I mean, I've seen these themes over and over again. Uh, and, and one of the interesting things is just the fact that you're dreaming as Alice. And many people don't realize because it isn't necessarily a typical part of biblical dream interpretation theory that they will dream as their parts in areas of their either their inner world or the region of captivity in which a piece of their soul has been trafficked and furthermore the Bible has a lot to say about people getting trafficked to different locations, such as the pit in Psalm 88, even while we are yet alive. 
And so these dimensional overlays and interfaces absolutely play into the kinds of things people are going to be getting delivered from. And, you know, as we continue, you're going to explain the third level of hell and all of that. But folks, I mean, the fact of the matter is Jesus said, I will build my church upon his rocks and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. One of the things we have to understand is that gates don't attack people. Like you don't sit there on your front lawn with a gate that runs across the street and hits you in the face. Like people have thought about this passage, like, oh man, I'm, you know, the gates of hell are pounding me. And it's like, that's not what gates do. Gates keep people out. And so what God is actually saying there is what the devil has locked up behind the gates of hell, like your destiny or your parts or your wealth or anything else relevant to your life. We are going to go in with the power of Jesus Christ and plunder what's been stolen. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, KC had a part that was negotiating and navigating around the third level of hell. And so, KC, go ahead and give us the rest of the story. Absolutely, Daniel. In addition to what you were talking about, a memory was just recently jogged about something that happened about four years ago. Daniel, <clears throat> I had, I, I knew of this uh, lady who was a pastor and I actually trusted her, her judgment. Well, she loved football and she still does today. She loves football. So uh, she was advertising on her Facebook page a free ticket. You can actually win free tickets to this game. And so I decided to just, you know, uh, enter into the, the sweepstake contest. Well, lo and behold, I won the tickets. And, you know, I was telling them how my husband and I were veterans, et cetera. But we won tickets. Okay. So now I'm getting red lights on the inside. After I won the tickets, all of this excitement vanished immediately because now I'm getting all I, my spirit woman is saying, uh-uh, no, 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 no. There's something more to it. So I decided not to respond back to the hosts that were hosting this, this sweepstakes, uh, winning these tickets to a game. So when I did not respond back to them, I received uh, a, uh, a message on Facebook that said, what happened? What happened? We thought that um, you were going to come and pick up the tickets and, and we were waiting for you. And then they said, we were going to take you to a farm. Now there is a farm, a human farm in, in where I live, close to where I live. We were gonna take you to this farm and feed you some food. And then we were gonna take you to back to the game. Now, Daniel, after all that we have gone through, and we know about these farms, and we know that they're human farms where they where they they breed people. You think I was going to go to somebody's farm and they were going to take me there and feed me food? What spirit food? Oh no! This happened, Daniel, about four years ago. No kidding. So now at this point, I decided huh. to break internet uh, links with them. Defriended, did everything that I could do to break links with them. So. They eat, they, uh, I am me. And they said, where are you? Where are you? We're expecting you. But that's okay. This is what they said, but that's okay. 
We will expect to see you at the game. And when you come to the entrance of the game, we'll tell you what table to go to. And when you go to the table to get your tickets, you just ask for a lady called Alice. <laughs> True story. True story. <laughs> True story. So let's continue on. So now... <clears throat> Daniel uh, talked about, before he, he actually started with prayer, he just briefly talked about, uh, or he just mentioned um, uh, Dante's, uh, Dante, Ale Henry's, is that right, Daniel? Is that how I, you I have no it? idea what the author's name is, but I did mention Dante's Inferno. Right, Dante's Inferno. And that there were actually nine circular levels of hell, and the third level was gluttony. So now Daniel always starts his, his session with prayer. So after prayer, we started to just talk a little bit more about that third level called gluttony. So Daniel asked my part, Alice, how long was she there? And she answered since she was five years old. So Daniel asked Alan how old she was, and she said she was 60 light years old. So Daniel asked Alice if she was taught to ride the light, and she said yes, if you can imagine that. So Daniel, would you like to explain about riding the light on anything like that? Yeah, this is a term that is used uh, to, uh, I mean, basically refer to soul parts that are astral projecting, going places, um, and 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 it can be like writing light. Uh, th there are a lot of uh, basically pre-woven pathways in the spirit world. Uh, some of these are energy grid lines. And so they can be followed. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard this term used and referenced many times. And so, yes, uh, sometimes whenever riding the light is being referenced, it's always an out-of-body uh, astral type activity related to travel. So go ahead. Yes, yes. So Daniel explained to me that soul parts are trained to ride the light to different realms and timelines to gather information or for other assignments. So I mentioned Daniel that at times I would feel like I was on a roller coaster. So if you have sensations of being on the roller coaster, that may be what might be going on with you that maybe one of your parts is actually riding the light. So I often thought that the sensations were quite strange. So I learned that that was how I was actually traveling between timelines and other regions, if you can imagine that. So Alice was tied to the Freemasonry when my dad was initiated into it somewhere in the 50s, 1957, I would say. So Daniel asked if she knew the Norwegian man. Now, many of you who have not heard the other podcast, 
I would highly encourage you to listen to Storytime with KC Part 8 to learn more about the Norwegian man. So Alice uh, replied back to Daniel that she did not know the Norwegian man in, and, uh, in that group. So Daniel asked if I knew how old Alice was when she met the Norwegian man. Now, Alice knew the Norwegian man. She said, she mentioned she knew the Norwegian man. I need to make a correction in that area. She knew him. So Alice answered that she was six years old. Alice said, that she was on a fishing trip at Moses Lake, Washington. And the Norwegian man gave Alice an assignment that was written on paper. That assignment failed, which caused the death of the spirit husband in the third level of hell. Alice said that all of that program was unraveling. The technology was old and the programming was unraveling, which was wonderful. My natural fathers, and this is this is something that's sad to me, I learned that my natural father's untimely death was so that he could be removed out of the way in order to access me to be programmed. So Alice said that the links to my assignment were never put together. This assignment was a massive project, but it failed. It all failed. Now they are trying to remove her, Alice, meaning out, because she didn't complete her assignment and she didn't even know what it was. But we learned that the assignment was to secure. Are you ready for this? This assignment was to secure the new world order that was scheduled to come into being in this century. Charles said that when I was born, when I was born again in, in 2009, and I started to pray, then as my prayers began to get stronger and stronger, my prayers started to unravel those plans. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. The hidden figures were being made known to me while the programs were being unraveled. Alice used to go through a hatch to open or a hatch opening to the third level of hell with these programs. <clears throat> So Daniel stated that there must be some connections with my Cherokee bloodline. So I prayed with Daniel the principality prayer for the king and queen of hearts to be disconnected from me and to be completely destroyed. And we also prayed the bloodline prayer for the Cherokee bloodline. Daniel broke rule 42 that I mentioned above. That was in the nursery rhyme when he interjected his realm on Rule 42 and he condemned the program. Now, Daniel is an, has become an expert in interjecting his realm on these territories. He'll 
Hill interjected even on Rule 42, which is a living uh, sentence to condemn or to destroy or to rearrange, to scatter, etc. Daniel, did you want to say a little bit about that? Yes, you know, uh, I think for a lot of people, this language is going to sound strange. And, and, and still, I think a lot of folks that are connected to this platform are trying to figure out what does it mean when people talk about Daniel or Daniel's realm, using the realm, so on and so forth. And, and this is part of the reason why we have a course at the Bride Ministries Institute called Realms and Dimensions Unsealed. There is a higher level of warfare, and it involves engaging with realms. And there are a whole collection of realms that we have in Christ that can be engaged in very creative ways in order to yeah, enforce the kingdom and government of God in order to impose order to bring healing and redemption. You know, there, there are six major ones that I'm working with now. They are the, uh, the mansion, which is around the Archie, which is what I use in warfare. The uh, Metron, which is it the definition of the assignment sphere, also the star, the mountain, and the tree. Uh, the, the, these are all components of our inheritance in Christ. And a lot of this and how it gets applied gets covered in our course on realms and dimensions unsealed. And one of the reasons why I say, you know, to people, don't take it until you've taken some of the foundational stuff is that without foundation, this is the kind of revelation that I think it'll get people a little messed up. It's just, well, it is higher level and it is extremely powerful. And so in any case, yes, the techniques and the strategies behind using the Archie in order to get breakthroughs and bring the fruit of Jesus Christ into the lives of those I'm working with, it, it, it has been articulated, but... I haven't done it for the whole podcast listening audience yet. You can get it on the Bride Ministries Institute. So go ahead, Casey. Absolutely, Daniel. And and I like to give another free advertisement about BMI. I, Miss <laughs> you need to stop. <laughs> I, I can't thank you enough, Daniel, for putting the institute in 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 order and bringing it from the the realm of the spirit into this earth realm for us because i'm telling you you so skillfully put the courses from the beginning i mean if if you don't have to know anything about the spiritual realm or spiritual warfare nothing all you have to do is become a student of the bride ministries institute start from the basic courses all the way to the advanced courses of the realms, the Archie, the Metrons, and I'm telling you, your life will be changed. I just have to say that. I thank you, Daniel. And I thank God first, but Daniel, I thank you for being a faithful servant. Thank you so much. So this is the last uh, of this story time, Casey. We are actually at the end. And as always, Daniel, I am so honored to be able to share story time with Casey. Yeah, Casey, I, I just want to say thank you for uh, putting your notes together. Sometimes I wonder 
you know, what would happen if after you reached the end of your notes, I asked you more questions? <laughs> How would that go if I just started like firing off and doing <laughs> Dude, folks, you don't understand. I mean, what I say, she prepares for these interviews, I'm telling you, she really puts her homework in. I, you know, but anyway, uh, look, folks, uh, you've heard it. Um, if, if this is the first time you've heard Casey, go back, get the rest of the podcast. And with that said, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.